The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday. We're coming live to you from Salem, New Hampshire, and we're doing our big Halloween episode today. The topic is tricks and treats with Scott and Jess. And Scott's wearing a pink suit. I think you look hot, Well, babe. tell us what you're dressed as. I'm the good witch. And I'm the good witch's bitch. <laughs> The, the good witch's little bitch. Scott, Here did, I am. Scott did announce <laughs> that he wanted to be a woman last week on the podcast, and we actually already confirmed he was wearing the pink suit, so it's he's transitioning gradual, slowly. gradual transition. Yeah. <laughs> you guys will never even notice. And he's wearing Chrissy's koalas. Chrissy brought us back uh, souvenirs when she was home, and she brought us this awesome manuka. And these cute little koalas. So, two little koalas yeah. here hanging Scott's on my jacket. Scott's sporting his Australian love. love thanks, thanks for the joy. You're welcome. All right. My quirky tip of the day today is... Hang on. Now. You're going to squ- coink again? Go ahead. Yes. All this right. is going to be a very structured <laughs> podcast. Okay. As they all are. <laughs> Let's hear about the quirky tip. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the quirky tip is to follow Tumbled Shop on Etsy. And actually, more importantly, go and check out her inventory. I'm wearing this paw print necklace that she made for us. Um, it's a local business uh, right out of New England here. And she's actually the girlfriend of one of the guys who works downstairs. And we gave them a little gift. You know, we're nice people. We give gifts away. So she gave us a thank you gift back. And there were these two beautiful paw print necklaces. One of them is actually on the site now. The pig's wearing it on the Etsy site. But she has all these tumbled stones and crystals. And then she like describes to you what they are. So the one that I'm wearing right now has blue appetite. Am I saying that correctly? And blue jade. And then she describes what they do for you. All these different tumbled stones. Manifestation. um, Helps achieve personal goals. Peace, serenity, and balance. I'll take whatever I need, but I, I can use a little more peace, serenity, and balance. So check it out. Well, you and got me. Love, quiet down I am here. stable as they come. Hold on. I'm not done with my pitch. Okay. Most importantly, um, if you guys put in Quirky Dog, you can get 10% off between now and the end of the year. And what I'm planning to do is every week, and we kind of did a soft opening of this last week when we had Dawn on. She's running a special for the Quirky Dog, but we mentioned gift cards. Every week from now until the holidays, I'm going to give you guys different gifts as the Quirky Tip that you could possibly purchase for your dogs or dog lovers in your life. So my first one officially is check out Tumbled Shop on Etsy highly rated shop awesome tumbled stones crystals all kinds of great stuff that sounds really exciting yeah maybe we could discuss how i slept last night <laughs> oh my god all right let's get into the whoop <laughs> i want to just whoop, whoop. he's now, wearing the whoop and pink it's he's at, like a whole new person at jess's insistence <laughs> i'm now wearing a whoop strap on my wrist i think it's really some kind of gps so she can keep track of me oh yeah that's the last thing i need is to keep tabs so this on him is supposed to um the metrics are your stress your uh, sleeping, and your recovery. Yep. These are the three things that this thing, and of course, I'm always very low stress. <laughs> he got 99% uh, on his sleep last night. And I, I could have told her that. I told her that before I got the damn strap. I know, but it's good. He's running six miles. He's what old. We might as well monitor stuff. What I found interesting about the sleep was that I went to bed at 9 o'clock, and about 9.03 p.m., I was in deep <laughs> Deep sleep. That's why wow. all the responsibility is I always just, on Jess if I someone jump, needs something. I jump right in. 
Gone. He's in deep. All right. We're going to talk about tricks and treats today. We're not going to do a whole trick podcast, but I want to talk about how to use food and how to use food appropriately, especially as it relates to tricks. And partially, this is inspired. We just had a dog go home, and one of the behaviors that they wanted was rollover, yes. which is unusual, but cute little dog looked just like a moody to me. So no. we're both working rollover, and we're going to discuss some ins and outs of tricks and treats today. Are they looking at Raiden now, or is Raiden just up for He's our He's just benefit? up. Would you like to show oh. the photo now? Sure, if you want. All right, this we is... got to show little buddy. So we've had, he was on as a puppy, and then he was on a year later, and he we just had him boarding. for boarding. So it's Popeye and his little buddy. Scott drew actual little buddy on the pumpkin. We've gifted that to his mom. He's Popeye. How freaking cute is this? I mean, literally, he is the cutest. And my husband is wicked talented. Oh, so yeah. that's little buddy's appearance this year. Happy Halloween to all. We've actually entered him in um, a, f- a contest. Halloween I don't know. contest. <laughs> Alana, if you're watching, if he wins, you may need to if come to Dover. If a cash prize, she won't know but, anything uh, about it. But we just, oh my gosh, we just love him so much. We had him for two weeks. And speaking of that, we have so <clears> many, <throat> so much news to cover. I got my new Aruba mug as part uh, of my Good Witch um, present. Alana brings us back souvenirs. Chrissy brings us souvenirs. We're so blessed. I want to thank Alana. She brought back two Cuban cigars yes. from Aruba. Already they were smoked. both great. I was saving one for the podcast, but I smoked it before <laughs> I got here. So they've both been smoked. They were very good. Self-control is not thank Scott's you, strong suit. You're awesome. All right, let's cut and into any the- other clients that feel like they'd like to <laughs> mail me a things. cigar, feel free. All right, let's cut into the treats because uh, luckily Scott needed mm. to pee on the way here from too much coffee this morning. So we actually have some treats, but we stopped at Andy Man's. That's, uh, that's a TMI, they call it. Oh, uh, <laughs> coffee's a diuretic. So we stopped at Andy Man's. What did you get? Popovers? I got some. If that's No, they're not popovers. They're um, turnovers? Yes. Okay. All right. So we're going to have some treats while we talk. So, first thing I want to discuss is the way that you use food in your training matters. And we have done podcasts before about using food, not using food, how you want to use food, everything else. If you want to lure, frickin' lure, okay? We do not shape everything with our pet dogs. We do not shape everything with our own dogs. However, if you are starting to bribe your dog to do behaviors, so for instance, when you're like, okay, we're going to train, and the first thing you do is pull out food to make it happen after a behavior has essentially been taught, you want to be conscious of using food in that way. Because the dogs start to kind of look like, hey, where's the cookie bitch? Or, you know, shaking the bags of treats to get the dogs in and everything else. So we're going to unpack that slightly. Wow, you're getting right in there. What do you have in the apple? Apple. What's this? Blueberry. Blueberry. And then there's Raspberry. Would you like me to cut the raspberry? Yeah, I like the raspberry. It's my favorite. So we're going to talk about that. And then I want to give you guys some tips. The top five tricks. I had Scott do a little research for me. I'm going to tell you exactly how I teach those probably differently than most people. And that'll give you something to work on as we get into the winter months. And then we're just going to basically talk about the benefits of trick training. Because Scott and I both have done a lot of trick training with our own dogs. Client dogs love doing it. It's a big fun thing. And more importantly, we're going to eat. Chrissy, would you like any blueberry, raspberry, or apple right now? Tell us which one. Ooh. Mm, raspberry, please. Okay, yeah. Chrissy and I, were the same. Okay, here you go. This is very good. It's from a bakery in Amesbury, which is oh, actually where the so tumbled shop is based out of. So we're doing a lot of Amesbury love here today. All right, so we're going to chat. We're going to eat. We're the good witch and the good witch's bitch. We're all I, set. I like to use food. All right, let's talk about how Scott likes to use food. The way food. I use it is I tell the dog to do a behavior. Mm-hmm. They look at me and they flip me the paw. Then I run to the fridge and I go get the best treats. And then I say, please. And then I start giving them treats. That's not true. But we do use food frequently in training. If a dog will eat, there's no reason not to use food. However, the way that you do it and the nuance of using the food really, 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 really matters. So let's just talk about some baseline rules. First and foremost, dogs walking on the left side of you. 
You're going to be rewarding the dog from the left. This is a big one that Scott is always on people about. The people that feed from the right and reach over, you frequently have the dog wrapping in front of you. So be very conscious if you're doing your loose leash walking. Even if your treats are over on the right side, transfer them to the left to deliver. Yes, and I would say also, if you tell the dog to sit and they instinctively come and sit right in front of you because you taught them to sit in the kitchen off leash, I wouldn't feed that. You don't need to correct them, but feed what you want because if you feed whatever they're doing, you're not, they're never going to understand that you want them to sit over on the left. So, mm-hmm. oh, We went to a seminar. Go ahead. Well, I was going to get into uh, phasing out that food, but we can talk about that afterwards. Hold on. I got... What the heck? Wigs and hats and headsets. Okay, I'm getting this it all This is starting here. to turn me on, the wig okay. and the, <laughs> yeah, the, the pink thing. is working for me, too. We could talk. All right. <clears throat> so listen, what I want to discuss as far as the dog on the left side also, before we move on from that, I think we're at a seminar. Who was it? Fred Hulme that said seam of your pants? Yes. So you talked about that if being you the are address. Gonna, yeah, if you are going to be feeding the dog to being on the left side, of course, have the food on the left side. Really important. And then Let you me tell you his, his analogy. Just though. go right down the seam of the pants when you're feeding. Go ahead and say the full analogy because you'll remember better than me. He said that um, if I told you to deliver a pizza to your town, you'd know how to get to the town. You wouldn't know how to get to the house that ordered the pizza. You need to have the address. So thinking about this healing area on the left as the town, if you're feeding in other areas randomly the dog's a little in front a little behind a little off to the side of you they're never going to know what the actual address is of what exactly is heal so make sure when you do give that food your he said you know slide your hand down the seam of your pants and that's where you're feeding and um if they're not in that position you don't need to correct them just don't feed it yeah don't feed when they're not right where you want them to be that's yeah. all but the more specific you can get, the better. And of course, placement of I just like that matters. analogy. I know. I can't believe you remembered that story. He doesn't remember something I tell him this morning, but he knew that whole story. Great. All right. So another thing about food, using food for cum, using food for getting the dog in the house, however you want to talk about it. Be very careful, as I mentioned, of the shaking the treats. Bust your cookie, all of this. You're just bribing the dog to listen to you, right? Uh, I, within the last decade, a lot of people in New England would show up for classes and they'd be like cookie, cookie. And that's like supposed to be a way to like get the dog's attention. That's not the dog's name. They're literally like the dog's off sniffing and they're like yelling cookie to try to get the dog refocused back onto them. Well, I have a different opinion about that. Okay. Well, give me a second to flush out mine. So if this is how you're getting your dog into the house consistently, and that's the only way the dog comes into the house. If the dog gets loose away from the home, you likely will not be bringing your bag of treats. And even so, you won't be standing at the slider or wherever the dog frequently comes in. So that's not going to translate. Be careful of actually teaching a recall that does not involve some form of bribery. And this happens frequently also with people with dogs with toys. And I know this from having dogs when I was younger. You, your dog will listen great as long as you have that Frisbee or you have that ball, but that's not necessarily a recall that's translating to just being out and about. The dog's only working for you because they want what you have. So be careful if that is the foundation of your recall and the bread and butter of your recall. Please know that that can deteriorate over time. What's your point, babe? Well, if you're saying cookie, Mm -hmm. you're not saying come, you're not giving a formal command. So you can say cookie and shake that bag. And if it gets your dog in from the backyard, I'd rather you do that than say come and they don't come and now you shake the bag. 100%. So you can it's have just an in, not going to translate. Informal, you yes. can have this informal method. It's just not going to translate to a, an actual recall. And it's just similar to the, what I would call the misuse of a clicker. 
I see a lot of people that click their dog to get them to come. So the dog's running around and then they go click, click, click. And the dog <laughs> comes running to them because the dog associates the clicker with food. So they're running. So they're not marking a behavior the dog just did with the clicker mm-hmm. and rewarding it. They're begging or trying to entice with the clicker because the downside to any of these things is when they don't come, you click and then they're playing with another dog and they don't come. Now the clicker means nothing. Yeah. The same with your treats. You're out there shaking the treats, but the dog is now playing with something more rewarding. They don't come. So now you got bupkis, as they say. <laughs> You're not going to have a lot of reliability with these types of situations. So we want to flush it out just a little bit because people are not necessarily always thoughtful with how they use their food. And yes, if you're training, food can certainly be involved, but it doesn't mean that if you don't have food, you shouldn't be able to go into Home Depot with your dog. If you don't have food, you shouldn't be able to go into the vet with your dog. It's always great if you do have food, but if you've had your dog and you've been training your dog for six months to a year and you need to have food on you every single time, you're going to be doing any sort of interaction out in public or with the dog or any sort of formal training, if you will. That is something that you should question and you should look at because training, yes, while rewarding a good behavior is always important, the amount of people that get out there and actually pull out the food and bribe is a problem this day and age. Yeah. And I, my foundation is not using food and uh, I did learn a lot about it after I learned how to train a dog without food and I could obviously see the benefit of using food and I have since that, you know, that those first couple of years there, the I found the best of the best in the sport world are all using food. Yeah. They're yeah. all using the, people that have yeah. very, very good obedience. And that's still or, to or, the point this day. Or age. they're using a toy. They're using something very rewarding yeah, to reward Yeah, but there's definitely dogs. reward-based behavior going around. And yes, all of the best trainers right now, to our knowledge, are certainly using food in their training. All right, we're going to go to break super quick. When we get back, I'm going to give you guys the five hacks, the five most famous tricks that people teach their dogs. Want to keep up with all the latest from the Quirky Dog Podcast like me and Murphy here? Then make sure you head on over to the YouTube channel and subscribe. Or if you prefer to listen to the madness, go on over to iTunes or Spotify and follow the Quirky Dog Podcast. And hey, while you're there, leave a rating and review and let them know what you think of the show. Until then, keep it quirky. All right, we're back. We're eating. I'm so glad that we actually have treats. Before we get into the tricks. All right, what do you want to talk about? I want to talk about the... um transitioning from a lure to a hand gesture. Okay. Which is something that I I think I picked it up from you. I cuz I wasn't luring <laughs> a lot in you know in in like a down for example. You know, you tell a dog down, I like to you can with a certainly with a little puppy you can lure him into a you know a sit and then a down and all that stuff. But um with older dogs and with you know a more mature dog, I what I do now is, you know, I will and if they're foodie, if they like treats, I'm going to lure them into the mm-hmm. down. And I might do that three or six times. And when they have hope and they believe, oh, this is just follow the hand with food in it, then I do it without the food in my hand. And they typically will go right down. And then I'm loading that empty hand with food from the other side. Yes. So that they did it hoping there was food. Then there wasn't food. Then there was, so now like now they're believing, okay, if I do the behavior, I'm going to get a treat. It's not, do you have a, a treat, yeah. and then I'll do the behavior. That is a pretty strong just thing. And that the, is more, the more that you lure, the bigger the disconnect when you stop it. Yes. And that's what happens with a lot of puppy classes. People go to a puppy class, get the dog to do all kinds of stuff, but the, what they don't do is go to the next level of training. So they lure for 
a year, and then the dog won't do a damn thing without food, yeah. and everyone's upset. Yeah. It's just because they haven't taken it to the next transition yes. to the next level. Within three sessions, especially when you're doing trick training or, you know, sit down training, you can consider those types of things tricks. Within three sessions, it, luring with the food in the face is not always the best way to go. So that was an important point to unpack. And thanks so much, sweetie. Glad tell to him, be, a, you know, tell him about this little, this little uh, apple. Conversation. I'm so excited about this guy too. Yeah, what they call that thing? A squirt? A or little? Something? Uh, I don't know. A little. We went sippy to a, cup, went a to a fair. Some you know fall oh fair. Oh my god! I was, I was unleashed. And, yeah. Just is like, <laughs> was, give me, give me money. I have to buy cotton candy. Oh my God. I was, this is, this I was is birthday crazy. cake cotton candy. Oh my God. But they had these little sippy cups of cider. And so it's a little baby apple, but how cute is she that? She didn't want to get a big thing of cider. She got that. And then we had to get the big thing of cider. <laughs> it's just so. so cute. I just had to mention it. Okay. All right. So the five most famous tricks, um, number one, most famous tricks got asked one, me to guess it. Is, and it's funny. Cause this is the one that just said, I never teach my yeah, dogs this, this trick. Yeah. So, um, um, she, Scott says to me when I asked him to research this last night, he goes, what do you think it is? I said, probably give paw. If you have a dog that is needy, that is pawing at you, that is constantly trying to activate you, I would highly recommend you do not teach shake or give paw. If your dog already does this, great. It's an awesome trick. I would recommend instead you teach wave. So the dog's doing this same type of behavior, but away from you and not activating you. Because the dogs that are super pushy, that are always like, I need you, I need you, I need you. Then you teach shake. It just intensifies a millionfold. So I have found it to be the opposite. <laughs> they weren't doing all that crap to begin with. Oh, no. They didn't know any better. Yeah. You taught them by giving the paw, they get a treat. Then they come up to activate you and they're doing this yeah. crap. And people are going, oh, it's so cute. He yeah. wants he wants to shake and they're... And you're, they're like, you're like the yeah. Pez dispenser. They the shake, just come up and hit you. The shake situation, if you are going to teach it, I have a lot of integrity with you're either going to teach your dog to do its left paw while you put your right paw out, or you're going to extend across the body. I really want the dog to understand what hand it's going for and be very thoughtful that if you have a dog with longer claws, uh, you know, parents with thin skin, the shake situation can get ugly, especially if there's a lot of drive going on. So a, proceed with caution while teaching shake. If you have people in the house that are under three feet tall, it can be a face scratch. Yes, that's be true. Careful that's about a good that. one. All right. Second most uh, famous trick that people teach their dogs, play dead. My one thing about play dead is if you're going to teach play dead and roll over, I always like to teach play dead one direction and roll over the other direction. It's much easier for the dog to understand. And especially a dog that you've taught to roll all the way over. If you go to teach play dead, that same direction, now they're like having to stop halfway and play dead. So that's just my own little rule. That's my rule for I play can dead. I that could really raise the dickens with your rollover. <laughs> Or All right, you tell them about rollover. So rollover is the third most favorite trick to teach, and this was what the dog had to do to go home. And I wasn't even there for the return yesterday, so Scott had to take the reins. So how did I want you to do the rollover with the Moody? Well, um, the Moody that I think is the Moody. Uh, I charged up my e-collar. <laughs> no, really? How did no. you do it? We just, I just, we just lured the dog into a sit and then into a down, and then brought that um, food around to its stomach while it's laying down. So it's, yeah, curl- so it made, it's like, curling a into itself. Yep. And uh, you were rewarding at that point. And then the next step is rewarding them as they're they're following that food and they're rolling over onto the yeah, back and they're getting just, treated. And, and the thing about rollover, people get really antsy as far as like, oh my gosh, I want the dog to do it this first session. Luckily, the owners wanted this. The dog was pretty compliant with this. But it can be really vulnerable for a lot of dogs to be on their backs, to be being in this submissive position and everything else. You do not want to rush the flipping all the way over part. I cannot stress that enough. 
The first part that Scott described, exactly what I do, I lure into an SIT, so we'll do it with the pig, an SIT, a D-O-W-N, but I'm not actually saying sit or down, okay? I don't want the down to become this sloppy rollover, and I don't want the dog thinking about staying in a sit or a down. I just want to get the dog into a down, and then I start the behavior. When you're going back with the cookie towards the tummy, any giving of a shoulder dropping, anything else is enough. And then once the dog gives you that, the dog gets to get back up. Okay. So do not try to force the progression of like, oh, he's super close or ever flip the dog over or something like that with the two front paws. Oh, come on. You're doing it. You're doing a slow progression. Normally, if you're feeding more and more of an increment of rolling over then that first rep, when the dog actually goes, I just drop a bunch of crumbs on the floor. And just because the dog went the full way one time, doesn't mean that's my criteria moving forward. So don't rush the actual rolling part. Teach play dead and roll over separate ways and don't cue your sit and down if you're going to be using food to get them into the position first and foremost. Yes. And I, I can vouch for that because I'm the type of person that rushes. I'm not a big trick trainer <laughs> and I will rush a behavior a little bit. And I th- the downside to that is they may do it, but they don't know what they did. Yeah. That's the problem. Or there so, might be a little so fear they, involved. They, they may not do it the next time because they respond differently the next time. So if it can be broken up into these intervals, they know how to get to the first one. They know what's going to happen after the first one is the second part. And then you can get them. I taught a sit pretty and a play dead um, to a, a previous dog that I had. And it took, it took some time. It really took some time yeah. to get it. The finesse. Yes. And of course, the play dead, you know, that I wanted was the dog looks dead. He's not looking at you wagging his tail and like lying on his side because that's not play dead. You want him to be like, they've been tranquilized. (laughs) And it was funny with Jimmy, the border collie, he'd lay there, his head would be on the floor and he'd be looking at me and just the end of his tail keeps wiggling. (laughs) He just couldn't, never got that tail to calm down. Scott was doing a lot of trick training with Omar back in the day. So that's when he was doing his sit pretty to play dead. All right. So we're going to move on to spin. Uh, Oh, wait, one more thing with rollover, even though we went off track here. Um, With Sarge, I decided, oh, I'm not going to teach him to lay down first. I saw somebody somewhere telling their dog to roll over on a national network and they said lay down and the dog just rolled both ways. And I thought that looks like sloppy training. So with Sarge, I thought, oh, I'll just teach him to roll from a standing position. Legit, 70-pound Malinois took that very seriously. He never fully injured himself from that trick, but he would careen himself onto the ground. So highly would not recommend that. You don't have to stay down, but make sure the dog is in a lower position before they go for the the rollover. The drive of the dog, for sure. (laughs) The dog was 26 inches high, and he he threw himself down. Okay, so... One question I wanted to add to that. Yes, honey. When would you start to... um, implement the verbal cue. I'm going to go over that with spin. Okay. Good, good timing here. Okay. So spin. So this is a pretty common trick that people like to teach their dogs. Kids like to teach their dogs, everything else. There is a big hovering component of spin that really scares a lot of dogs. Okay. So like the person is over the dog. They're trying to lure the dog around. They're leaning over the dog's body. There's a lot of stress sometimes involved in that. And if you don't have a super long arm span and the dog is a little bit bigger, it's just going to get more and more and more stressful. So what I would recommend with that is you actually pull your dog next to you and you start the spin while they're like either in the heel position or you're kind of luring them next to you. So while while you're working on it, either on either side of your body, you're not hovering so much and the dog is getting that behavior. So labeling tricks. This is... Well, um, I just want to add to that. Another okay. another great way to do that if you're a short-armed person 
is to use a target stick. You can, yes. Because then there's really nothing out there over them except a thin stick with a target yes, on the end. Yes, and you, but even that, sometimes environmentally, the dogs don't like this. If you've already being beaten the them. dog with the target <laughs> stick, it's not the oh my best. God, Scott is a bad behaved. <laughs> All right, I got a lot going on here with my props. Okay, so labeling behaviors and how Jess does it, and this is how I've pretty much always taught tricks, and I still recommend that people teach tricks. I am getting the behavior consistently with food, with allure. If that's happening the first session, great. As soon as I'm anticipating that and I'm getting it, I'll start labeling good spin at the end of it. I'm putting in that phrase while I'm feeding the dog with the reinforcement. I'm getting the dog excited about it. I am not actually cueing it at the beginning until it's the behavior that I want to see, meaning that the spin could possibly, I could fade the lure. I could just flick my finger and the dog will go. I'm putting the cue in, I'm saying good spin at the end once it happened, but I'm making sure it's close to the behavior I actually want and the dog is really clear on its criteria before adding it at the beginning of the trick. Does that answer the question? It does. And it goes to basic obedience too. Yes. When I think about, you know, working with a dog, um, working on down and not, and let's say they don't, they don't want to take treats. They're not food motivated and they don't even want to be manipulated. If I give a little leash pressure to help the dog into a down, and there's resistance, there's some struggle. I don't want to be labeling that struggle with the cue to get them to lay down. I want to be patient, get them to trust me. So now that if I give them a little downward leash pressure, they lay down and then I reward it, uh, whether it's with a physical touch or if possible, a treat. But then I would start labeling it when they trust me, they know what we're doing. I am confident that when I help them, give them that direction that they take the direction, then I would start laying yeah. it. Yeah. And it's like a foreign language, right? You're not going to be sitting there saying, sit, 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 down, down, down. The dog doesn't understand if it hasn't learned these things before. So be conscious of how you're using these cues and that the dog actually knows what the frig yeah. you if want. The, if there's any confusion, you don't want to be labeling the confusion. <laughs> That's really the bottom yeah. line. All you're doing is marking a cluster. Okay. The fifth <clears> most <throat> famous trick that people teach their dogs, apparently, according to Google or wherever you did this research, is sit pretty. Uh, sit pretty is a controversial trick to teach these days. Why? Some people, uh, because of the structure of the dogs, a lot of people that teach it, um, are not conscious of the dog's back and everything else. Be conscious if you're teaching sit pretty that the dog has a very straight back. Okay. That is the most important part of sit pretty. If your dog is hunched over and leaning forward for the food, that is not good from a postural perspective, long-term for the spine. And they so, may have very poor core strength. Yes. And it's not one to rush you guys sit pretty. I'm all about like, if they lift one part paw the first session, great. If they lift a couple paws by the first session, great. They are not in that actual position for quite some time, especially if their core strength lacks. So when I talked about probably within, you know, three sessions of training a trick, I'm ditching the food maybe for the actual like luring up part. Sit pretty is one that would take a little bit longer. And you know this from teaching sit pretty to other dogs. It's not an easy one to teach. It's taken me some time. I mean, it depends on the skill of the trainer. And I admittedly am not a highly skilled trick trainer. When I was working with Omar and I had a young dog, I wanted to do sit pretty. I said, oh, how long do you think it'll take me? You guys had to take about three days. <laughs> it took me two weeks. And I worked every day and I had a great sit pretty and he never forgot it. And I could get him to do it anywhere at any time. But it took a lot of patience and it took, you know, it, the dog had to find his balance and he had to work through some stuff. And, um, you got to be patient. Yeah. And I like the look when the dog's paws are up higher, but I have been told that if the dogs have like a lazy front end when they're sitting pretty, as long as the back is straight, it's all the same from the dog's perspective. Oh, you mean so, with the paws hanging yeah, down? Yeah. Like I, I just like the look of the paws being Well, up. that's what's nice about teaching the wave before you do the sit pretty. 
So you can yeah, get the both. Dogs, yeah. You can get and, both together. And be conscious of what you're marking. If your dog doesn't know any of these tricks, teach one of these tricks between now and the end of the year. Tricks are a good way for you and your dog to bond, to have fun doing something. It's low pressure. It's not so the dog can be a show pony when other people come over for the holidays. No, look what my dog can do. But it's, it's, a, it's a good a great, way to strengthen your relationship. Yeah, and you're teaching a communication skill. The dog is learning what the you know to work with you instead of just activate you to do a bunch of crap there and getting back to that um shake if you it's not that i think you can't teach shake but you certainly don't want to reward it when they come up and are act doing it and you didn't tell them to do it because that's when it's going to turn into a yeah that's when it gets a little bit of an anxiety provoking thing all right so we got tricks we got treats we're doing this is our big halloween fun we don't even get trick-or-treaters so this was scott's wearing pink i got my good witch hat on we're all pumped up and this is the extent of our halloween uh, this is in no way, shape, or form any way to push my tricks course. If you don't know I have a tricks course, you can go to Canine Healing. It's always up and offered there. But this was just a fun way for us to be able to eat, dress up, and celebrate Halloween with you guys. Keep your dog safe this Halloween, you guys. We talked about it a few years ago on the podcast. Costumes are scary. Mascots are scary. These are not normal things for dogs. So make sure you are an advocate for your dog as we roll into Halloween weekend and Halloween next week. And do we have anything else to share? Yeah, I, I didn't want to end this. The, oh this my God, here we go. <laughs> he loves wearing one pink thing on wanted, the podcast. One thing that's really good that I've seen with Jess and her dogs is teaching the spin going, say, clockwise and teaching turn going counterclockwise. Because the dogs, especially if they're real foodies or they're really, you know, reward based, whether it's a toy or food, they're tempted to just, oh, I'm just going to go to, they have to think through drive. Mm-hmm. And that's an important thing because if you just teach one direction, yeah, it looks great. They're spinning, but then no, I want you to go the other direction. They're like, oh, okay, hang on, I gotta think. Okay, now to go, gotta go the other way. We do a lot of verbal games with our dogs, with tricks and all these things at home, and we enjoy them. All right, you guys, are we? Can we be done now? Is that enough? You got we any more compliments have, let's for me? Let's finish up our uh, right. pastries here. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Have Happy a safe Halloween, Halloween, and keep it quirky. <laughs> The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.